This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Today is Bike to Work Day, kicking off Bike Month. Thousands of cyclists from all over Toronto met at Young and Charles at 7.30 in the morning for a group ride to Nathan Phillips Square that was led by the mayor. This year, the issue of safety is in the spotlight following the tragic death of a five-year-old who fell into traffic from a bike lane last week. And while governments are working to boost cycling to make it more safe, it still has a lot of detractors. Um, A lot of our listeners are not fans of those bike lanes. And I'm wondering if any of you uh, have changed your mind or who've come around now that maybe you're getting a little more used to the bike lanes or if you still think... Uh, they're a bad idea on major streets. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740 for your opinion on the bike lanes. And right now I have one of the city's most influential cycling advocates, Patrick Brown, not the politician. Patrick Brown is also a personal injury lawyer. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Libby. Okay, so uh, obviously top of mind today is safety. There's a horrible story, a five-year-old boy cycling with his grandfather uh, on the trail. and But adjacent to the lakeshore, he fell into traffic, was hit, and, and died. What an absolute tragedy, I mean, uh, for everyone. Uh, we just simply can't imagine uh, what the family would be going through from such an event. I could tell you with the Martin Goodman Trail, um, it is a trail that's used by families frequently. It's used by people of all ages, children and, and the elderly. Uh, it's a multi-purpose trail, so you have bikes there, but you have rollerbladers, you have pedestrians, and it stretches a very long stretch. So from that standpoint, it's one of our major multi-purpose uh, trails within the city. The unfortunate aspect about this particular incident is you get to a very small segment of the trail uh, where the trail's not separated from the lakeshore. Uh, most part of the trail is separated with grass embankments, trees, other things. You get to this one place, uh, and in fact, it, it's almost only about a meter away from lakeshore. And lakeshore, the cars are traveling. It's a 60-kilometer zone, but anybody who rides or drives in that area will tell you they're going 80 to 100 kilometers. So Sometimes a, uh, when, I'm, when I'm on it, they're going 10 kilometers. But. There is. That's why you should yeah. ride a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A good point. Uh, yeah, but so is it just a matter of, of uh, putting a barrier up? I think so. I, I mean, it, absolutely you need something to separate a high-volume car uh, commuting area from a high-volume multi-trail area. And probably the best result, I would think, and the city designers I'm sure would agree with me, it would likely be a barrier. In fact, if you look at the city's own trail guidelines, 
it actually calls for a barrier in this area, meaning if you follow the guidelines um, where you have that type of speed of vehicle uh, travel next to the multi-purpose lane, uh, in their own trail guidelines, they suggest it's an area where a barrier should be put up. Uh-huh. And so was it just an oversight or what? I don't know. I mean, obviously, you'd have to ask uh, city officials, uh, but these multi-purpose trails have inspections. Uh, they have regular maintenance. Uh, they're based on a design code uh, that the city's put forward. So I don't know if it's an oversight. I don't know. But uh, certainly the city uh, would have to answer that. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, do you, do you have a, a child who bikes as well? I have two girls. Uh, they bike. I bike. My wife bikes. So yeah, we're we're an active cycling family. And and do you, do you bike with them near places that are busy like that? Absolutely. Like I mean, if you take a look at the Martin Goodman, and and you had to make a choice where you my my girls are much older now. Um, they're 15 and 17, but. It's an area where if you attended the Martin Goodman Trail, it's next to it connects all the the parks next to yeah. the lake. It's an area where people are having picnics, and yes, it's somewhere where you obviously bring your child to have their bike and to ride and to learn. So from that standpoint, I don't think it would be unusual uh, to bring a child to that area. And in fact, it's a very safe area. The problem is this one stretch. And a lot of people who ride the Martin Goodman, you're riding. Making a one-meter mistake on a bike isn't unusual. That happens. Your bike can go off the path. Uh, and to have one meter as to being from, from entering into the lakeshore um, is, is a very small amount. And so from that standpoint, um, I think most people probably ride. They put their guard down because they believe it's a, a safe multi-use, friendly, family area, but then you get to this section, and this section is an oversight. Okay. Uh, before we get to our calls, I, I want to ask about a few other specifics. So one of the things that a lot of people seem to be confused about, drivers included, is making a right turn when there's a bike lane next to you. So... Uh, People either aren't aware that uh, basically it's all on, on the driver, has to make sure that it's safe, but there are a lot of accidents there. Uh, is it just a matter of getting used to it, or, or what do we do? It's, it, you know, it feels dangerous to a lot of people. It feels dangerous because it can be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people get hit and seriously injured. Some people killed. In the cycling community, they call those right hooks. Uh, and, um, I mean... Uh, when you're taking a right turn and in your, you're in a car, you should always firstly, no matter what, when you're driving, especially in the city, be conscious that you are driving a two-ton vehicle that even slight contact with a bike or pedestrian can seriously injure them. Okay, So you might have a scratch on your car, uh, but the resulting consequences to the other individual can be uh, very significant. So always keep that in mind. And so for drivers... Clearly, you have to make sure that you have the right of way before you make that right-hand turn. Certainly make your mirror checks and make sure that the, 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 the lane is clear so that you can initiate your right turn. Drivers should also remember there's many bike lanes which uh, has the, um, uh, the dash lines which allows the car to move into that portion of the lane in order to initiate the right turn. And of course, the cyclist can either remain behind that vehicle while it's going to initiate the turn, 
or go to the left of the vehicle, shoulder check, and continue on their way. Um, but I think it's it's an obligation on everybody to, to make sure that they ride safely and obviously they drive safely. And if it's a solid line, you can't move into that bike lane even if no one is there, right? And that is a solid line, and that is for bikes. I mean, you know, sometimes... Uh, you see, I mean, same thing. You see this with cars. That as soon as you want to make a turn, you know, a cyclist might speed up to try to beat you there, and it's it's pretty scary. It, it would be. I mean, obviously, if you're going to ride a bike in the city, you, you've got to be on guard all the time uh, for people making right turns in front of you. Uh, you have to uh, anticipate uh, what a, a driver may do, and it's not always in accordance with the law. And so as a cyclist, you have to be on guard all the time when we're riding in the city. As a driver, you come into the city, you've got a wealth of pedestrians, you've got a wealth of cyclists. It's not an easy thing to drive in the city of Toronto. Uh, yeah, and, and it can be a very frustrating thing, and if you let that get the better of you. The one thing I, I think, no matter what, is speed. Number one, slow down your speed if you're a driver. If you're in the city, slow down your speed. Number two, patience. Wait. Wait till it's clear. The problem many times is people simply don't have the patience. They want to move quickly. Like you were saying about the cyclist trying to bomb through uh, the intersection. Everybody's trying to move quickly, but you got to have patience. Okay, uh, let's take a few calls. We've got Christina in Toronto. Hi, Christina. Good morning. Or good afternoon, rather. Good afternoon. You're on the air. Go ahead. Um, I, I'm sorry to say that I have no regard for cyclists who do so many things that are totally wrong. I once was crossing as a pedestrian on a green light at Bay and Queen, and I was nearly hit by two cyclists that were laughing as they went through the pedestrians. The pedestrians had the right of way, and they were not going to stop. I have never been so scared in my life. You said once. Did this happen once, or did it happen many times? It happened once. It was at rush hour. There was a big throng of pedestrians, and these two cyclists just thought it would be a fun thing to do, just ride through the pedestrians. I thought I was going to be hit. Well, I mean, you're right. The The problem is everybody who shares the road has to be that's on guard, and uh, a lot of people don't follow the rules. Well, what do you do? You can't run after them. There's no cop around. They just think it's a game. And I, I, I've, I've never encountered a situation like that. When I was driving a car once, I signaled, went into the lane, and the cyclist didn't like that I was now there. I was going to make a right-hand turn. There was no bike lane there at the time. And, and then the light turned red. And he came and pounded on my roof and on my, uh, and on my hood. I mean, I didn't cut him off. He just didn't like the fact that I was now in his lane. Okay, I'm going, I'm going to give Patrick a chance to respond. Thank you for that, Christina. Christina, I mean, as you know, there's, there's just like there's bad drivers, there's bad cyclists. And it's part of the community. And what they do at times is illegal and it's wrong. 
And they can obviously seriously hurt individuals like you who want to cross the street in safety uh, without getting hit by a bike. So as to those bad cyclists, uh, uh, there's nothing to excuse their behavior, absolutely nothing. And what they're doing in relation to riding and laughing and, and not giving you the right away when you legally had the right away, I take it, uh, then uh, it's wrong, just like it's wrong with the car. But just remember this, though, the one thing, Christine, that many people have to understand is in a large number of times, um, the um, the police officers and other things are there, but they can't be everywhere all the time. So just like there should be responsibility on cyclists, there has to be the responsibility on drivers as well to look for them. But in, in your example, it's just, there's no excuse. Yeah, and you know what? Pedestrians have to uh, walk defensively. With pedestrians in the city, before they have a tendency, some do, to, to, especially near the bike lanes, to step out before the light turns green and they have the walk signal. I'm sure that wasn't the situation with you, but many pedestrians that are standing there on those corners should be aware there could be bikes coming by, especially if the bikes have the right of way. That's That's a good point. Let's go to Brenda in Hamilton. Hi, Brenda. Hello. Good afternoon. You're on the air and we're listening. Uh, good. I'm um, a parent and a grandparent, and I am still um, reeling from hearing the news about the little child who died mm-hmm. in that horrible accident. When I see adults, and I'm not talking about that particular case, but that has touched me very much. When I see adult cyclists with children attached to their bike, be it on a seat behind them or be it in one of the carriers in behind I ask myself, are there any laws protecting that child? Are there any regulations? Are there any minimum standards for those carriers in behind? Are there any minimum standards for the bikes, for the bike seat for the children? And then just the bare fact that those children have no protection against the cars. Go ahead, Patrick. Uh, that's an interesting issue um, in relation to people with children on their bikes. Uh, I don't know any specific standards other than uh, the child has to have a helmet on. Uh, that's mandatory. Um, certainly the own, their own manufacturer guidelines do dictate in part uh, what's required in relation to bike seats as well as uh, any type of cargo uh, carrier behind that uh, has a kid in it. So from that standpoint, I'm not familiar with any specific provincial standards on that. I think the key for having safety with children and children on bikes is to ensure that the cyclists have protected uh, separated bike lanes and other mechanisms so that they can enjoy cycling with their children uh, without having con- come into contact with cars. I think that would be the priority. Okay, let's go to uh, Nick in Oakville. Hi, Nick. Um, I'd like to know what the Highway Traffic Act says about where there are no bike lanes. Where should the cyclists be on the road? And I often see these packs of guys riding, like taking up a whole lane. Cyclists, could you tell me and tell the listeners where you're supposed to be on the road if there is no bike lane? If if there's no bike lane, a cyclist can take the full lane uh, if they they feel... They can if they feel that it, for safety purposes they need to. Generally, cyclists ride about one meter from the curb, uh, but at times there are times when they can take the full lane. If so they f- in traffic where the speed limit's 40 or 50 kilometers, a guy on a bike can sit in the middle of that lane? Uh, depending on the circumstances, yes, they are entitled to do that. Hmm. 
Okay. It, I guess you. that's uh, good to know. Uh, you're there, welcome. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about cyclists. We're talking about Bike to Work Day, Bike Month. I'm here with personal injury lawyer and cycling advocate Patrick Brown. And on the line, we have Councillor Anthony Peruzza. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, nice to be here. Uh, so you are about to go into an infrastructure meeting, and you're, I know you're going to be talking about bike safety. So give us an idea of some of the things you'll be looking at. Well, you know, um, and, and it's very, very timely, actually, because it, it, the weather's better and uh, a lot of people are on their bikes. Um, but we have been working on a, on a safety plan now for quite some time, um, you know, at the uh, at the City of Toronto and the, at the Works Committee. Uh, uh, we don't have the uh, the friendliest bike committee uh, this term of uh, of council, but uh, but we're prodding forward on uh, uh, on issues like uh, separated bike lanes, uh, you know, better visibility, uh, better markings uh, for bike lanes. Um, we're they're looking at our transportation people are looking at uh, uh, you know the roads and and road setups and and uh, turn radiuses that. Um, you know, um, make it safer for for cyclists and uh, and pedestrians as well, but uh, but I, uh, cyclists as well. I have a question, and this is something that that bothers me uh, when I'm driving. So if I'm d- taking a north south street, um, uh, there are a few major intersections, right, where intersects Dundas or Bloor Street, where there are no lights, which is a problem to begin with, but say on Bloor Street where there are bike lanes, to me, this is a very dangerous situation because uh, a driver is trying to cross the street. You look right, you look left, you look right, you look left. And then often suddenly a, a cyclist like comes really barreling down almost out of nowhere. Um, is this something you're going to address? Uh, well, you know, we, we often look at all of those things, but, but, you can't. Uh, it's very, very difficult to to address, you know, uh, uh, good behavior or good, uh, you know, sort of uh, good riding, uh, as it were, just like good driving as well. So, uh, if it's yeah, a but a, a traffic light, somebody just appearing because they're doing something that they should be doing, is that what we're talking about? Well, I don't, I don't know that they shouldn't be doing that if there are no speed limits for bikes. I'm talking about there's a problem because there's no traffic light. Um, so is that part of the plan to make bike lanes safer by adding traffic lights? It's very difficult to cross when there's no traffic light and, and there's a bike lane that the bike lane doesn't have to stop or do anything. Precisely. So, so that's very much part of the plan. So if you look at uh, where those situations uh, are occurring and, and where are the sort of the, the experts, you know, sort of point out that, uh, maybe we should be bringing in some traffic measures, like or traffic controls, like signals, uh, to make it um, uh, to make it safer, and so on. Uh, that's very much part of the uh, the overall plan. Uh, absolutely. 
Okay, and uh, I'm going to try to take a, a couple of calls, one call maybe, uh, but I see also stacked up. People want to know about who is paying for the bike lanes. I mean, I'm assuming it is all of uh, all of us. It's taxpayers' money, and there was some more money in the provincial budget, correct? Um, I'm not sure that there was more money in the provincial budget. Because there was. No one's, no one's raised that with us uh, for bike infrastructure. Uh, but certainly at the city of Toronto, uh, that's right. It just basically comes out of general revenues, and uh, and everybody pays, of course. Oh, okay. Let's uh, let's see if we could get another call in. We've got uh, Brian in East York. Hi, Brian. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Well, I'm not too bad. I I just uh, want to speak my mind here. Quickly, uh, I hope. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the bicycles. Are, are bad enough, but those e-bikes are unbelievable. That you cannot hear them coming. And the other day, I couldn't believe. I'll give, I'll give you an incident. I was walking down the street, and on the other side of the street, coming towards me, was a blind guy with his white cane. Now he was tapping along the curb. This clown come along an e-bike, hit his cane. Knocked it into the middle of the road. I yelled at him. He gave me the one-finger salute. And you know what really irritates me? I got no option. At least if you could get license plates on these things. Number one, as you just mentioned before, it might help with a little revenue. But at least you got something to complain to. This guy is carries on his merry way. Hits, knocks the guy's cane in the middle. I yelled at the guy. I said, I'll get your cane for you, sir. Okay. Which I did. Okay, that, okay. That drives me crazy. I Okay, thanks for your call. Okay. Okay, uh, we have to wrap things up. Uh, these e-bikes, are they, uh, uh, Patrick Brown, are they just like another bicycle? No, there's, there's different laws in relation to e-bikes and specifically what is and isn't an e-bike and how the laws apply to them whether or not they're capable of going faster than 32 kilometers an hour. It's a question whether or not they have their pedals affixed. There's a whole series of laws of what defines a bike versus an e-bike and the responsibilities. So. Uh, we're we're going to have to um, wrap things up on this conversation. Patrick, before we go uh, 20 seconds, uh, what would you like to leave us with here? Firstly, uh, Anthony, it's really good to hear that separated bike lanes. Once you separate cars and bikes and, and give people space, the traffic moves better. Uh, people are, are less injured. It's great that the city of Toronto stepped up and asked the provincial government to pass vulnerable road user laws. And I think for Bike Month, I think everybody should try to get out more and use their bikes as best they can, enjoy the uh, outdoors, and enjoy this month. And uh, Councillor Peruzza, what would you like to leave us with? Well, precisely. I'm, I, you know, I... I believe that uh, we need to make our roads safer for cyclists, and, I, and, I, and I'm a firm believer in separated bike lanes. Um, we also want to encourage more and more people to get out on their bikes. And, uh, and I know that uh, uh, there are situations where it does con- uh, create some conflict with cars, uh, but you know what? We all have to sort of uh, come to understand that, that, that bikes and, uh, and pedestrians are very much part of our, of our road uh, users, and uh, we have to you know, make it safe for them as well. Right? It, oh. You know, someone who's in a 2000, you know, is in, is in a car, is very safe. Uh, we need to figure out how to make it safer for the others as well. Okay. 
Councillor Peruzza, Patrick Brown, thank you so much for uh, being with us. Uh, people, we couldn't take all of your calls. Remember, Free For All Friday is coming up, and also we, we're going to take this up again because obviously uh, there is a lot more to talk about on this issue of bike lanes. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.